Welcome to the Midlife Male Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Male newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Hey guys, Greg Scheinman here. It is the Midlife Mail Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me this week and every week. I am super excited. Joining me on the show today, I've got Christopher Robbins. He is a dad, husband, writer, seeker, and founder of Soul Degree, taking life one gate at a time. What is Soul Degree? You're going to learn about it on, on the episode here, but... Let's talk about creating momentum in your life. Chris is an expert in this area. Soul Degree puts on these wilderness retreats. And the beauty of being on a Soul Degree retreat is that beauty is all around you and it provides the opportunity. It's to be both alone and together and to share that curious experience of self-discovery with a group of other men and Chris's leadership. He also hosts monthly meditations where you can join him on the last Tuesday of every month for a moment of pause, a warm hello, and some honest conversation with other like-minded men. This is all done virtually now through Zoom. And he has a private coaching program, and it's quite remarkable how much can happen in a moment of reflection, and we can go from anxious to awestruck, from exhausted to energized, and from confused to clear. Chris talks about all of this stuff with me and with you, this week on the Midlife Mail Podcast. We've got a lot to talk about today, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, it is it is my pleasure. Um, first, I think it's cool. Let's point out, where, where are you right now? It looks like a library. Where are you sitting? Uh, yeah, I'd love to say these are all on my own books, um, but this is, I'm actually at my mom's place. Uh, she recently renovated a a home in southwestern Vermont, which is actually where we're renovating our own place. But um, this is her new office with all of her uh, her prized possessions. She's quite a reader, and so yeah, I'm in the I'm in her library. Very very nice. What's what's that like? Okay, going back and living with <laughs> living with mom. <laughs> You know, it's been pretty awesome, I must say. She's 80, almost 85. Uh, My dad's not with us anymore. Uh, And she's an amazing woman. She's um, super healthy, really active, very engaged in our kids and my brother's kids. And when I was in high school, I'm the youngest of three boys, and... When I was in high school, 
my father got transferred to London. And so I ended up going over to London and uh, spending four years where my two older brothers were already in college. So it was largely me and my mom with my dad traveling quite a bit. And it was at that moment that we really had a special four years together and created probably a tighter bond than maybe some might expect between son and mother. And so actually like circling back many, many years later and um, the house we're renovating is the one that she and my dad built. And so we bought that off of her and she lived with us for about a year. And then once we underwent construction there or renovation, uh, we opted to move in with her. So uh, I will say it's been uh, far more challenging for my wife, Mel, <laughs> to be at my mom's. But myself and my youngest son, uh, we're, we're having a grand old time. She's actually not here right now. She's She's got a place down in Florida, so she... She chases the sun a little bit for a few months in the in the winter. And so we got the place to ourselves, but it's a real joy to be able to spend some time with her at this stage in her life and ours. Very, very nice. You mentioned your son. How many kids do you have and what are their ages? I have three kids. I've got a 23-year-old who just got out of college, Boston College, last spring. Eagles. And she's, uh, yep, she's an eagle. She's she's starting the real world. And then I got a 21-year-old who's a junior uh, at USC, both daughters. And then our youngest is a 16-year-old boy. Okay. Now, what's his, where does he want to go? <laughs> well, uh, I don't think he gives a shit about college at the moment. Um, he, we... The reason why we're actually up in Vermont, we've spent the last like 20 plus years just outside of Boston. Uh, but once his high school options came online, we empowered him to make a choice where he wanted to go to school. And we thought for sure he would select some school in and around Boston. And we've had an affiliation and a, a relationship with some folks that uh, are connected to a public school in in this area, the Manchester, Dorset, Southern Vermont area. And uh, this school called Burn Burton Academy was literally the only place he wanted to go. And he, he had it top of his list. He said, I really want to go to Vermont. And it's not a boarding school. And we really didn't, because he's our youngest, we didn't want to not be in his company for his high school experience. So we listened to him and we followed him. And here we are in Vermont, sort of adopting a bit of a new change and establishing new community. And uh, he is just so happy and so thriving in a way that he never was before. Uh, and so it's a silver lining for sure that he is, um, He's as stuck in as he is and enjoying high school in a way that uh, I think any parent would hope to see their kids thriving. But yeah, college is, um, even though he's a sophomore, he's 
He, I, he, <laughs> college is the farthest thing from his mind. He just got his license this morning. Mm. So the only thing he's thinking about right now is where can he go drive? <laughs> Makes sense. I've got an 18 and a 15 year old right now. So <laughs> yeah, we got, yeah. we're in the permit stage, you know, with the 15, cause you do get your license here in Texas at 16 also. Uh, and then I've got the 18 year old where we're trying to figure out where he's going to go to school right now. That is very much top of mind. We're, yeah. Yeah, that's- I'm curious how you guys made the decision. I understand that the school was at the top of your son's list, you know? but how did you and Mel and, and your son even come together to, to make the decision that we're going to do this? As you said, follow him here. Okay. You want to go, we're going to go. Like, were there strings attached? What's the thought process? If we're going to uproot and go spend, you know, we have to now go basically live in Vermont. No, video. Well, um, you're you're touching one of the third rails in our marriage. Uh, <laughs> let's put it that way. And it only took eleven minutes. Look at that. <laughs> um, it was honestly an absolute disaster of a choice that he made. Um, it felt like a. It felt like a real snub for Mel, who is the primary um, breadwinner in our family. And at the time when this decision came up, she was hosting a uh, a nationally syndicated uh, daytime television show in New York City and commuting from Boston. And the vision at that time for her was to be in New York for uh, the next foreseeable however many years. And so the idea of Vermont was met with incredible resistance from her as much as she wanted our son to feel supported. Um, And we tried hard actually to get him to consider a school in and around our our then primary residence. And um, he stood fast in a, in a, in an empowering way, actually, not in a stubborn way, but he, he really was looking for a change. And, you know, we were kind of coming to the end of our time in that community. Anyway, our two older daughters had already moved on and graduated from the local high school. And, uh, but it was, uh, not without tremendous friction and thinking, you know, this is not what we want to do. And we actually still have our place just outside of Boston. So we we are <laughs> we do have two homes and two places that um, are, are workable at the moment. And one of them certainly down in Boston lends itself to some of Mel's work Um uh, at least more so to what's going on now than, uh, you know, not having this, this place put together quite yet. And I think it's, it's, it's coming around. I mean, this COVID thing has obviously been such a discombobulating experience for all of us. And I think on many levels, the, the more calm and, soulful Vermont versus the more frenetic Boston, New York scene is, um, 
Mel sees great vision there. And it's it's taken some time for her. You know, for me, I went to college up here. My I've been coming up here ski racing as a little kid since 73. My mom and dad built this house 20 years ago. And so Vermont is for me is just it's it's in my blood. And um, so naturally for me, the decision that Oakley had made to go to this school was, uh, you know, I was kind of like, all right, well, hey, that doesn't seem to be entirely in line with what Mel is up to, but it is only four years. He had had pretty crappy earlier schooling experiences. And so we really did want him to feel empowered in his choice. And so it was hard for us to go back on that when he just said, hey, this is really where I need to go and want to go. Uh, so <laughs> we're, we're still working through it, but um, it's, uh, it's feeling more and more uh, whole and complete for all of us. You know what really comes across in this? And by the way, we talked about this. We talked before we started this, and guys, as you're listening, if you're going to hear like little beeps that go on throughout this episode, yeah. okay, it's either mine or it's Chris's. I don't even know because neither one of us can figure out how to some, turn off you know, some of the notifications and stuff that's going on. So I'm just giving you a little glimpse into like real life, like that's what it is. We're not like pinging each other back and forth about talk about this or that. People just actually are trying to reach us and neither one of us can figure out the technology of how to get some of it to stop. So oh my gosh. anybody- can feel forever. free to DM, email, write me or whatever to be like, hey, <laughs> and I'll pass it along to Chris too. Like, this is how you get the beeping to stop because they're all Apple products and I can't figure out how to do it. So it's focus, <laughs> do not disturb, whatever. We could do 20 minutes on that, but there you go. That's what it is. It's staying in, whatever it is. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so now I have a number of questions. Yes. Before I forget, okay, or maybe the dinging is the reminder for me to go back. Now I have a few questions on here. One, this is so interesting to me because both you and Mel are coaches. Mm -hmm. You are coaches at a very, very high level. And for those of you out there who are not familiar, actually, the, the way even you and I, Chris, first even got connected was I was introduced to Mel and her work through the guys at Three Ring Circus. These other prolific keynote speakers, Josh Linkner, uh, Peter Sheehan, Seth Madison, and I was out in Detroit at their week-long uh, boot camp, they call it. And I'm very new to this game, like really new to this game. And they put this video on, and it had these other prolific keynote speakers that they know and they work with, and you got to see examples of their work and how their career scaled. That was my first introduction to Mel Robbins, this woman who comes on the screen and then basically takes over. Like <laughs> It just felt like, okay, game over. Like, Why are we watching anything else? Like when you put it in comparison to all these other things and it was prolific and it was dynamic and there was stage presence and there were sneakers and there was glasses and there was really, like a really good message to the whole thing. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. This is like how it works. It's kind of like they showed amateur, you know, or like novice, amateur, somebody who can make a few bucks speaking and somebody who's off the freaking charts. And it was so obvious. Um, so I started following Mel on Instagram, you know, after that, <clears throat> excuse me, and watching a lot of her videos online. 
And then I noticed, obviously, you, you know, married in there. And I clicked over and, oh, let me find out about the guy, the man in this relationship. <laughs> and let me learn him. And I saw what you were doing with, with Soul Degree and your own coaching. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And at the same time that I was like checking out all of your stuff and being like, oh, I got this guy on. I think Mel was with Peter at some event or something. And she had posted something and I chimed in or he had posted something and she said, I'm with him right now. And by the way, you really need to get in contact with Chris or I need to introduce you to my husband. And I was like, I literally had just sent him a DM. Okay. (laughs) Like like right before you sent this. So now I either seem like I'm stalking you or I went around. I don't know what happened. Kismet. Yeah. But it was like, okay, really, really, really cool. So that's, kind of the connection with Mel, but as it pertains again to maybe people thinking that, that because we coach, you know, or the two of you coach and speak and we, we have all the answers you know, over there or that any of these other situations, we may be able to figure them out or work through them easier or better or anything. So when you speak so candidly about, about the situation with Oakley, and again, as a father myself, you know, no, we don't like, it's just, we got to work through the same real shit as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm, no answers. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Seeking answers. Um, but yeah, I, I think as, as somebody once duly pointed out to me, two heads are better than one unless it's a cabbage. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> therein lies the power of having a coach. Yup. One thing that that kind of heads up your site, even when I went over there at, at Soul Degree, I want to kind of head in, in this direction a little bit, is why Soul Degree? Like, it's just up there at the top. Mm-hmm. Why did you start Soul Degree? You know, why do men need Soul Degree? And kind of give me the, the impetus for you of taking this on. Mm, well, like... Um... Like many things, and I think maybe based on my uh, doing my own research of yourself, it was born out of crisis on some level. Uh, <laughs> I I had a pretty storied career in the corporate world, and. And then I got into the entrepreneurial world and I went 10 years in the restaurant business and it was a remarkable learning experience. Uh, There was a lot about it that went well, uh, but it was a financial disaster and it brought me to my knees. both physically and emotionally. And I was pretty, I was pretty wiped out in this loss of other people's private money and just this thing not going the way that I thought it needed to go. And um, so it forced me to do some soul searching and I, I really just, there were a few things that started to bubble up that I realized were missing for me. One was just uh, the the power that nature and wilderness and being outside has always had on me. And that 
that was missing. And I've had a decent amount of experience in my past and was on the board of the National Outdoor Leadership School and spent some time with them back in my college days and grew up doing a lot of just hanging out outside. And so that was missing. I think also that I just had realized how serious I had become and taking things so seriously that what I recognized was missing was just like being a boy, just fucking around in the mud and, you know, knocking sticks against trees and just laughing and being joyful like a kid. And then I think the third thing that I was feeling at that time was a sense of isolation and feeling alone, some of which was my own doing, because in my head, I was, of course, I was just beating myself over the head with a bat, like that, thinking that I had really failed my family and myself and my career, but that I, you know, I am somebody who would much, much rather have a deeper conversation like this one that we're having than talk about the stuff that's on the surface. And so when I really kind of put those things together, I I decided that I needed to create some sort of experience that brought together those components that got me into the woods, that got me hanging out with guys, that got me talking about things that matter, that are far more meaningful than the weather. And uh, that I needed to do it in a way that uh, served the people who were going to come. I didn't know who, <laughs> of course, I didn't know who would come, but I, uh, I had had a strong meditation practice and was trained as a meditation guide. And same thing with uh, yoga, I'm a yoga instructor. And so these were some of the modalities that I thought, you know, I got to bring these into the woods with me to help us guys just kind of slow down and recognize the importance of hitting the pause button that I think we're horrible at doing. We, I think we're, we're sort of cast from a certain mold that tells us we need to go achieve and prove and uh, do, do, do. And I, I think most of the time, especially if we have, once we get married and we have kids that our, our, our thought is that the slowdown moment is a vacation with our family, which with all due respect to <laughs> wives and kids, that's usually not where a guy uh, can sit back and get some true me time and, and moments of reflection. And so this is, this was the genesis of soul degree. Um, I created this purely out of need for me selfishly. And when people started to show up and have this experience with me, they just, there's not been a single guy who hasn't really just spoken so highly of 
having chosen for themselves to put themselves in a situation that I think is kind of unusual. I think it, it, it's it doesn't occur to men to that either a they need this time for their own well-being or that uh taking this time is a worthy investment in themselves because we just don't you know I, I i think we we can intellectually get the power of doing something like this but actually waking up and taking action and putting a deposit down and packing your bags and going and hanging out with another dozen guys who you have no freaking idea who they are and there's this sort of mystery of well what is this thing and what am i going to be doing and and still doing it um is that you know i think that's where the <laughs> that's where the rubber meets the road a little totally and you know it's what's interesting there is that yeah the rubber does meet the road and for all those guys that do it the value that they get and the return on investment that they get um and i also always think about the guys that don't you know pull the trigger on it you know, and you must get a lot of this too. These guys that get themselves 99% of the way there, you know, whether they're ready, quote unquote, 99% ready to start coaching with you or to plunk down that deposit and go on and do it. Uh, and they they choose that 1%, you know, or that 1%, you know, takes over, you know, somehow trumps the 99, you know, and they, and they don't do <laughs> well, it. Well, not they, only that, but the guys that do show up, most of them, are quick to acknowledge that even the night before, despite their gung-ho attitude about it, are kind of packing their bags thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, <laughs> why, why, why am I even doing this? Yeah, I'm paying this guy what and I'm going where or I'm starting this for that. But right. I mean, there are so many good points that that you made along the way. And maybe I'll work backwards a little bit and, and I'll work backwards towards even your identity. You know, where, where you talked about a storied corporate career into the restaurant hospitality business, success or failure. I think those two are quite frankly, so close in entrepreneurship, you know, the difference between success and failure, you could be, I had a book title for, for a while that I was going with like Michael Eisner bought my business and then I successfully failed, which was like, okay, this high profile student partnership that did everything. And all that ended up happening was that I was so great at fucking this up. Like that's what I, that's what I was great at, you know, as it transpired. But I think there's all different degrees of success and failure and they're so close together. But entrepreneurship is a very exclusive club. Whether you succeed or fail, you just tried. Like those that are have done it, you know, and have gone forward with it makes it an exclusive club that not everybody can can be a part of. So if you, if you could, and I'll work backwards into this, one, I love what you talked about on, on the, the family vacation. I started to chuckle in there because again, family of four, two boys, like for years and years of my life, high pressure career out there, the standard couple of vacations a year where you don't relax really at all. They take you out of the office that you don't think you can leave or they're not going to survive, you know, without you. I think statistically or the studies say it takes you like three days, you know, to to like actually finally relax. And it's like by the third day, like we're almost getting we're on the down slope, we're almost home, you know, from this. And you think about how much everything costs, you know, wherever you go, 
you fly back from these vacations, or I called them trips because they weren't really vacations. There's a difference between a vacation and a trip. <laughs> Most of our stuff was a trip, regardless of the locale, because a lot of it falls on the guy. Like it really does. Setting up the accommodations, the activities you do, trying to be the best father you possibly can, trying to be the best husband you can, not wanting to hold anybody back from doing anything or buying anything or doing it. We're on vacation. And then you get on that flight back and you're like, for me, I, I was like a mess. I like go always flying back. How much did we spend? Like, I got to go back to work the next day. What's going to be there for me? Like you always say you need a vacation from your vacation. Sure. When, when you were like this. So having outlets like what you provide with Soul Degree, I think is so valuable where, again, it's nice to not like almost know what you're getting into, just know what you're not getting into. What you're not getting into is what you're used to. And what you're used to is really hard, you know, also. Yes, you like being with your family, but I need a break from this too. I need to focus on on some me time there. Who showed up to the first one? Oh, man. I had a really eclectic mix. I think my youngest was 22 and my oldest was 62. And um, that that age range created just some awesome diversity of perspective and energy and uh, sort of joie de vie from the younger, <laughs> the younger folk and, and wisdom from the older folk. Um, some of them were my own friends, you know, because of course I would, you know, I'd invite them knowing that I was putting this on and I'd love to be in their company for, you know, the four or five day run. So uh, hang on on that one for a second. I'm curious, inviting your own friends. Cause now this was taking me to where I wanted to go. Your identity and how you made an identity shifter concerned about what other people think and or your friends or anything else going from this corporate guy, successful corporate guy, even in the food and restaurant. Now, I'm going to go in the woods. I'm going to go in the woods and I'm going to go host these these things. It's one thing that I got my yoga and my meditation certificates and everything. And I, you can tell me whether that was you know, a hobby or something you wanted really to pursue in there. But now you're changing your whole identity. You're changing your whole outlook and perspective. Did you lose friends over that too? You know, I didn't lose friends, no. Um in fact, I think what I learned, I mean, there was some, there was some nervousness on my part, bringing friends, wondering what they would think or what would get exposed. And it's an excellent question. I think looking back on it, um, what happened with those guys that I did know was that the friendship deepened, which maybe just saying it out loud sounds like that's what you would expect, but it's not necessary. Not that I expected it to go sideways, but um, I think what I came to realize is just that we're, we're really good at hiding what goes on up in our head. And not that we're intentionally withholding that stuff that's really going on in our mind, but that it's not knee jerk for us to 
put it out there and really say what's going on or really how we're feeling or really what we're thinking. And naturally that is what occurs on any given soul degree retreat. And so I think things got shared that were revealing about my true character and, and the true selves of the other guys on the trip, which therein lies the power of the experience is that people, I think, universally express having rediscovered a sense of their own true self in a, in a way that um, they could find for themselves as opposed to being told about it uh, or directed to it. And I think that that that's also part of the reason why the format is sort of, you know, could you do this in a weekend? Well, yeah, sort of. But to your point about vacations coming and going and by the time they're over, (laughs) you just I think you need you need some real time to truly get away and feel like you can take some meaningful deep breaths that have a physiological benefit. The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. You mentioned the the age range on on that first one. You know, um, you know, I think also one thing to point out is this is also another element, another degree, if you will, of entrepreneurship. You know, you came out of one venture and said, I'm going to start another venture. Mm-hmm. And this is what it's going to be with with soul degree. This is okay, what I'm going to do. You know, now this is who I am. I think there's a market for this, a need for this for myself, which I hope also appeals to other men. You know that that are that are out there. Uh, is there an archetype or archetypes that that you see now, having done this for a while, the type of men that gravitate towards what you're doing, and actually who do sign up? And come, do they come back even again? Do they bring a friend with them? Do they evolve into coaching and working with with you? How does this, how how does it work? Well, um, I don't know that there, I guess the only uh, identity feature, if you will, of people that show up. are people that really want to be there. And that's what makes the experience so incredibly powerful is that they're there by choice. And anybody that, I mean, there's lots and lots of women out there that recommend this idea to their loved ones or brothers or spouses or what have you. And, you know, as soon as a guy feels like somebody else thinks he needs this, it's over. It's like, fuck that. I'm not doing that thing. And so I think that what what's cool about it is that there's this process of self-selection where the people that ultimately do show up really believe for themselves that uh, 
taking some of this time, stepping away, uh, investing in themselves, giving thought to wherever they are in their lives and uh, seeking objective perspective. You know, this is not a, this is not therapy. This is not coaching. Even though I am a coach, we, there's no coaching that goes on, on soul degree. Nobody is there with the answers. Uh, I am as much of a participant as the next person. And I say that honestly, because, you know, my life is always changing. I got shit going on. I, I, I need, I need to do the inner work just as much as the next guy. So, you know, when the, when the green light goes off and this thing starts up, I, I'm, I'm in the chair shoulder to shoulder with the other 12 men. And um, so I think that there's, there's a desire uh, amongst these guys to peel back the onion, if you will, um, for themselves. You know, some people are, some people show up uh, with, uh, already having taken an interest in self-study. I, I don't really, you know, the term personal development or self-improvement or what have you, I, I don't really buy it. I, I think it's just more self-study is really what it is. And I think that whether the guys know it or not, they have a curiosity either fully tapped or not yet tapped to dive into that in a more substantial way. Um, and yeah, I think you, you gotta be psyched about, you know, hiking mountains and getting muddy and trying, you know, if you've never done yoga or you've never tried meditation or things like this, you know, writing, journaling, stuff like that. I mean, I think there's a, there's a curiosity and a willingness amongst men to want to give that a go if they have not done a lot of that. Um, and I also think that the, the, the other thing that's probably somewhat consistent is, you know, that I, I would say that the, while that age range in the first go around was pretty broad, um, it, it tends to be more like 35 to 55. And while, a 55-year-old may be staring down the barrel of, you know, what he's going to do after he finishes his work, although maybe less so these days since we all seem to be working, <laughs> working far longer. Um, but um, I think that question of, you know, that midlife question, which I I know you touch upon all the time, which is kind of, I mean, it's phrased in so many different ways, but it's like, is this all there is, or is there something else or, you know, what, what is purposeful for me in either what I've been up to or what I want to be up to. And so I, I think that's another consistent thread is that people, the guys showing up you know, some may be in crisis, but it's really not like a crisis hotline by any stretch. I think, I think I encourage people to bring whatever's real and going on in their lives so that they've got real, you know, meat to, to chew into and work on, if you will. Cause if, if you're going to come and take this time, you might as well be intentional about it. Otherwise I think you'd be, you'd be wasting your time. And so, um, 
I, I think those are some of the common themes. And yeah, some people come back for sure. They bring friends. Um, you know, it, this is not like my platform to try to like lead people into coaching programming. You know, I'm not there at the end saying, okay, now that you've done this, like you can buy into the next, like, forget that. I think it's, I think if there's, if you're inspired to carry on with the conversation that goes on uh, while on retreat and there's a desire to, to take it into a, maybe a more formal format. Sure. But it's not, that's not the intent. Uh, I think truthfully uh, the friendships that get created on these trips are really where it's at. And um, that's what people take away from the trips and what they want to continue to build upon too, either with the folks that they've been on retreat with, or um, just having learned some of the, I don't know, the tricks or the, 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 not really tricks, but just how do you go cultivate that brotherhood and that sense of belonging in your own community? Cause that's really, that's where it's all happening for us. I mean, you're in, you're in, Houston and I'm up in Vermont or Boston or wherever. And I think that that's, that's ultimately what a lot of guys are psyched to get a stronger handle on, which is how do I go, how do I go build my own social fabric in a way that is consistent with what my interests are and what I'm into and and not just following either my wife or, you know, the, the fathers who coach the same, you know, soccer team that I'm co- like, yeah, those guys might be great and everything, but they, you know, they might not be your people. Um, mm-hmm. now, I, I identify with that a lot. I think that we fall, I don't know if victim is the right word, but we fall, you know, we fall into that trap of you know, accepting our surroundings in a way or thinking that those are the only options because those are the ones that are most available or most readily available. Again, where our kids go to school and who the other parents are that are there, who our colleagues and coworkers are, or even our clients, um, who again are the other dads, you know, on the teams that are, that our kids are playing on. Okay. Well, where else do we go if those are not also <laughs> always the 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 right fit you know for us um and i think what's what's really interesting now is this opportunity in a way even you know, not necessarily just because of covid or the pandemic but just because opportunities that have been created to ex- go on retreats, to take these trips, to be able, you know, technology has a lot of advantages in this way too, that you can associate and affiliate and find like-minded individuals anywhere and go be a part of that community, be a part of that, of that brotherhood, make a relationship and get out from where you are, have these other experiences, maybe have a tighter bond you know, in a way only also maybe know each other one way, which is through through this, and then go back. Like I've got some of my some of my closest friends are the ones in a way that don't live anywhere near me. 
We have very specific interests and things that we like to do. We meet up for them. We do it. We go back, live our lives. We know we're still living that way. Mm -hmm. I don't honestly really have to talk to like, like they're constantly on my side. So if I talk about, they haven't met my wife, they haven't met my kids. So it's nice to have them just on my side. They only get my side. I get their side, you know, also. Um, And I just think that there's, there's a lot to that, that also, at least I found helps me focus in a way on what's important to me when I come back to, to my world and my life and have these experiences and opportunities and things to look forward to that I, for me at least, put on the calendar. Hmm? Monthly, quarterly, saying, look, these are the things that I look forward to doing. And I schedule them and I invest in them deeply. And I plot them out you know, through the rest of 2022 or beyond to say, this is when we're going to hike this. And this is when I'm going to go on this experience. And this is... And so I have to make X amount of dollars, quite frankly. We've got to work around the rest of the family's calendar, time, health, preparation, everything. And I think having things to look forward to really gives you a lot of purpose and gives you a, a lot of identity. And for a lot of guys, that's been lost. They just go through the motions. Every day is kind of the same. They're reactive instead of proactive. Mm-hmm. Hey, honey, when's school vacation? Oh, okay, great. That's when we're going away? Okay. You know, that's when I put in my request to take a few days off, you know, or maybe I try to work like I did this for a while. Oh, let me work my renewals around that. Like I can't have renewals around this time because that's when we typically go away, you know, or that's when this is or something like that. And you get into this pattern in there. So I just think it's really, I think it's great. And I think it's refreshing to have more options and opportunities. And I try to tell people, something that you do, you do very soon. Whatever you're looking for exists. You just got to be willing to go out there and find it and do it. Yeah. And I, and I think you, I think you also need to be willing to ask for it, whether it's asking your wife or your employer I mean, there's no better time to be making requests of your employer than mm. today, because uh, while it's a great job market, I think you know <laughs> people are already um, acquiescing to the demands employees are making about where they want to work or when they want to work, or and so to be able to identify some of these things that you think will make a difference for you in your own personal and professional life and making the ask, it's it's a good time to do it. I'm going to ask you about the ask. There are a few there are a few things I hear a lot about this too in terms of I'm I'm big on you know, making the ask. The question is, am I asking for forgiveness? Am I asking for permission? Am I asking for support? Am I making a demand? Lots of ways to, to make an ask. I hear a lot of this when it comes to also to making that decision, whether it's on coaching again, or to spend that money, that expense versus investment, or which lens are you looking at it on? Do I go on that experience or, or that retreat? I've and I've got to ask my wife, you know, or I've got to check with so and so. Okay, how are you making that ask? What's the dynamic of that relationship? To go, either get permission, forgiveness, support. How are you to empower you in a way to, to to get what you want, you know, out of it? Do you do you see that too? Like, do guys get off the phone with you, or, or they inquire about it, and then it's can't make this decision on my own, Chris. Clear, I got to go ask. I got to go ask this person or this person or do this. 
Well, I think that's sort of a reality a little bit, just given the time frame that's being asked of you. I mean, to how many days is it, by the way, just so we put that it's how long four nights, five days. Okay, cool. Go on. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think out of pure respect of your family, your spouse, you gotta, you gotta clear that deck anyway. And, and I suppose the same thing for work. Uh, but I think what's, um, it's interesting how you frame it, you know, the support or the forgiveness or what have you. I, I actually think it it is support, but inherent in deciding that the way you're going to ask for something like this is to seek support implies that there's things you want to go work on. And that is our Achilles heel often because we're supposed to be brave and macho and tough and not have any issues or, and so, um, you know, we, we, um, we, um, I, I think we're reluctant to admit that there are things we may want to go work on. And so, uh, that holds us back from, I suppose, coming at it from the angle of, hey, I think I need support here. I want to go do this thing. Will you support me in doing it, whether it's your employer or your family or otherwise? How do you prepare for these experiences? You mentioned earlier that you're an active you know, participant in it. Did it take you time to also go from feeling like, or maybe you never did it, or... I'm running this thing, you know, or I'm performing, I'm leading this. They've made this investment, you know, into, into me and coming out here to being able to, and are you able to really enjoy being an active, you know, participant? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you on, do you feel like you're on stage? You know, you're during this, like, I get that part. Hey, you hired me to come out and do a keynote, right? You know, the business very well. I come out, I do my keynote. Wonderful. Boom. You're out there, you know, four days now, five nights. Yeah, or five days, four, not whatever, which way the math works out. I'm not that bright on it, but you're an active participant. Like, what do you feel like your expectation is maybe in this? I think that um, if anything, it goes the other way in that I sit there and uh, experience my own roller coaster of emotion. And I'm a pretty, like, I, I could cry on, on, you know, just a drop of the hat. And so often I find myself in tears, either out of empathy or compassion or, uh, and then I start to question like, well, hey, if you're, <laughs> is that really, <laughs> is that the emotion you should be showing here? Aren't you supposed to be the, the guide, if you will? And, um. So I, there's probably more often where I like have my doubts about whether or not I'm, I'm, I'm delivering, so to speak. And, uh, but the, the preparation, so there is homework, uh, if you will, or for lack of a better term, there's, there's pre-work that I give to everybody, maybe six or eight weeks prior to coming on to this thing. And it's a series of very thought-provoking, open-ended questions 
that are intended to really get the wheels turning in your own head. Uh, and so that when you do show up, there really is, the pump is primed and you're, you're, there's a desire and a willingness to want to get into it. And I do that work myself every time. So I suppose that the preparation is less about me thinking that I've got to have all my T's crossed and I's dotted. And I mean, yeah, things like the food and the logistics and all that stuff. Sure. Um, I don't outsource any of that. This is, this is, you know, I am a pretty, I'm not like my wife in that this is a smaller fry operation that is far more passionate and intimate and um, driven largely by myself. Uh, and so, yeah, I work those things out, but I think that the, I'm doing the preparation myself. And I think what's really super cool about it is that even in the lead up, and conversing with the men that have elected to come on any given trip, I take the time to want to have these kinds of calls with them to find out what are they thinking, what are they, you know, what are their own expectations, what are they coming to work on, and naturally, inside of hearing what's going on for them, there are light bulbs going off for me, thinking, oh yeah, you know, I hadn't really thought about that piece of my life or whether that is something I should put on my, <laughs> put on my own list. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's refreshing in that regard, because that's, that's where the, 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 the popcorn effect takes over and everybody gains value from, you know, somebody could be coming in and saying, you know, I really need to work on my gambling addiction and they gain some clarity around that by hearing about somebody talk about something related to the death of their father. Like who, who knows? It's, it's, you don't need two guys showing up with gambling addictions to feel like you're going to you're going to work out your, or whatever the thing, whatever the thing is, you know, it's. Uh, have you changed or what have you learned about the experience or the programming of the experience itself when you're out there? Like when you were first setting this up, did you role play it out? You know, did you bring a couple of guys out there? Did you think we should have this or have that? And have you, has it evolved and changed, you know, throughout not really. Um, there, it really hasn't. I mean, it's been pretty organic. Um, I think it's, uh, the, the, the programming, if you will, or the way in which some of these conversations get teed up. Some are structured and we're circling up and we're asking specific questions of ourselves uh, some are more unstructured, you know, it's certainly like using the trail and doing a bunch of the hiking that we do nothing crazy, but using the trail as a backdrop to dive deeper with the guys that are on the trip. Uh, these are all, uh, intended to be very organic and natural and in, in 
the way people choose to go after them. And that's why I always say to guys, you know, you know, some people have an expectation. Well, what am I going to get out of this? You know, I'm going to pay X number of dollars and what's going to be my deliverable. It's like, well, I hate to say it, but it's like what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. So if you're sitting over there in a corner uh, with your arms crossed and not really willing to roll up your sleeves, then you're cheating yourself because you're not giving yourself the fair shake Mm -hmm. that your time deserves. Uh, But you're also just not going to, you know, you're not going to get your bang for your buck. And so um, it's definitely, um, you know, getting back to the self-motivation piece. I think you, you got to be really psyched to want to throw your, throw your hat in the ring. And um, I, I have not seen anybody not do that. Uh, you know, some people show up, they haven't necessarily done all the quote pre-work, but um, it doesn't take long before people are kind of like, okay, this is, I get this and I'm psyched to be here. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier, almost back at the top of, of our conversation, casually, and you know, Mel is you know, kind of the breadwinner of the family. And this was tough about, you know, doing this, doing the TV show in New York, which could go on and we Boston, then going up to Vermont. And, and then we talk about, I mean, you've got 12 guys that you take on this trip and you're sitting here and you're talking to me. Like, you're a pretty chill guy. You know, it seems to be, you know, pretty knows who he is, pretty chill guy, laid back, 12 guys, me going out on this stuff. And then, you know, you've kind of also a couple of not like Mel who's doing the, you know, I prepare the food myself and doing it. Walk me through, give me a little glimpse of that dynamic also. You know, again, you've got both of you very successful in your own way. Obviously, co-parenting, you know, married couple. How many years has it been? Also? 25. 25. Congratulations. So we just celebrated 20, Kate and I. Together for 25, but 20, you know, 20 married. Also, I would like to think very different, you know, as, as, as people also. But walk me through this dynamic a little bit that you're on the, I'm going to take 12 guys, I'm going to prepare the food, and maybe on this other end, you're going to knock out like 50,000 people, you know, in front of this whole thing and just yeah. go and, and cameras. And I get an email and a video every day and they're all fantastic, but it's a ton, you know, it's a ton. With respect to what we both juggle. Um, yeah. It, I, I think that they are very different uh, in both the pursuit and the formats, um, I think they're very, uh, they're reflective of our personalities in that Mel is somebody who is high energy and really just, uh, loves to be in the, the whirlwind of it all and feeds off of that. And I am somebody who uh, it's not that I am fearful of getting in front of 50,000 people, but I don't, that's not where I get my, like, I would much rather be having a one-on-one or, you know, a, a, a more intimate conversation 
And that's where I get my energy. And I'm definitely more introverted. Mel's definitely more extroverted. Um, and so I think the things that we are both pursuing are consistent with our personalities. Uh, but it's not been without its, I mean, <laughs> there's been, <laughs> you've touched another third rail. It's not been without its challenges, just us going through that pendulum swing. I mean, we, in our early marriage, we, we were both dual income and scraping away and trying to get it done. And, you know, some years I was making more and some years she was, and we were just complete ham and egg. And then the kids came along and, and it just turned into, a, you know, an omelet. Like it was just a shit show, honestly, uh, where we're just trying to piece it all together. And the, there was a moment where we made a conscious decision of, Mel focusing more on her own career and uh, the money, for lack of a better term, and me being the guy that focuses more on the home and the kids. And uh, that was a that was a challenging period in our marriage, not because she wasn't amazing about it. Uh, but because I was hung up on it, you know, I had my own stigma, like a guy does, like uh, I would be taking a kid to the doctor at two o'clock on a Tuesday thinking I was just a complete failure, that that was not representative of somebody that is quote, a success and not recognizing that honestly, there was more satisfaction inside of doing that than there would have been necessarily in thinking that it was my job to bring home the bacon. And that's my working title, by the way, from success to satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the, it took some time. It took some real time for, for me to embrace that and, and also like be okay with doing something like soul degree that honestly brings me so much joy and so much satisfaction, but there's no money in it. Like I'm not doing it for the money. Uh, it's, it's, I try to make it as accessible as I can to people so that it's affordable and, and be able to create a good experience, but it's not, this is not about me trying to build a livelihood. I mean, I do two or three of these retreats a year, uh, maybe four if I'm lucky. Uh, but otherwise is this is about creating space for men so that honestly, what the, like the payment that I get is the friendships that get built. Mm. I think it's a great way to look at it. And I think they're there are so many different ways to be successful. Uh, And I love what you're talking about here about the working title, success to satisfied. I think we do. I think we get hung up on what these maybe more common, you know, or more popular definitions of success are. And what gets lost in that is, again, are we satisfied? Are we happy? Um, 
And I also appreciate that you touched on that you did, you touched on the financial aspect or money aspect of it because, because it is important. And maybe we're in a position now to do things because we want to do them, not necessarily just because we have to do them in there. And to what degree does money really play a role? How much do we need, you know, again, to be satisfied, you know, and be successful? Um, you know, I think a lot of us have faced those decisions. I think there are a lot of guys that are facing those decisions and some unfortunately are, are trapped, you know, into a lifestyle in a way. Maybe they're not as trapped as they think they are. You no, know, there's a way. But kids, spouses, overhead, they are the ones bringing home the bacon, the private school tuitions or the upcoming colleges or the whatever. And there hasn't been an exit and they don't see a transition or mm, of how they're going to go do this mm, or, or keep up with it. So they go, look, I have to do things for the money. Mm? Mm. I can't just quit my job and follow my, and follow my passion. Mm? That would be galactically irresponsible based on the situation, you know, that I'm in, or I don't have a spouse that is the breadwinner or one that could go off willingly and say, you know, I'm going to go in this direction, you know, and really make this, and I can make this work, you know, and you can do that. I put myself on, I'm in that category too. I mean, Kate's amazing as a mother, however, and, and running our household, but I got to earn the, you know, I earn the income on that. Right. Pros and cons to that too. <laughs> well, and I think so much of it is just, at least it's taken me the better part of my life to figure it out. But, and this is not to say that we are, we are just our environment or our parents or the DNA that we were born into. Yes, that's, important and it does shape a lot of our character but what we're exposed to is you know i know that for me uh you know my i my role model was my father and my father suited up and he went to the office and you know sat behind a, a big desk on a glass walled corner office on the 42nd floor in Manhattan and was a big advertising guy. And, uh, I think now that he's no longer with us, I think I've come to realize that he wasn't really that happy, but he did, uh, quote, provide a, uh, a lot by way of, you know, monetary value. And, I just naturally thought that that's what you do. That's what was my purpose in life. And I think that that's, that's a tricky one because I do think that we're, we can get on a path that we don't even know we're on or we don't even know we've erroneously chosen because we're just, we're, we're a little like, you know, just the lemming, <laughs> like just following the role model in front of us, whoever that, whether it's the uncle or the brother or the father or whoever, uh, the guy on television who we think we need to be like. Uh, and yeah, so it's, I know for me, that's what caused a lot of, I mean, sure, there was some success along the way for me uh, and plenty of failure, but I couldn't, 
I couldn't deal with the failure very well because I thought that that was not okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's with that regard, it's okay. Embrace failure. It's okay to fail and all these, until it happens to you, you know, until right. it happens, until easy, no, it happens to you over and over again, you know, also. Sure. Um, but I definitely identify with, with your point. And I know that a lot of guys do as far as following this path or, or not even knowing that they're on this path. They're just going through their lives, their emotions from graduation to the first job to the next job they're just and i hear you know i just kind of like woke up one day or looked in the mirror one day and like 15 years have gone by i'm like what am i doing as you started with what am i doing is this it how did i get here Mm -hmm. i fell into some of this stuff you know i fell into this line of work or this career and then i had a little bit of success and then i kept going and then we had the kids and then this fell off a cliff and I had to start, you know, so I followed the next guy that was closest, you know, that I looked upon and did it. Um, and it becomes, it becomes that period. I think every guys reach it at different ages and different stages. You know, we talked about you know, crisis and I talk about midlife a lot and we've discussed it a little bit too, but I know again, some really old 30 year olds and I know some really old 60 year olds also. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the age aspect of it is, somewhat of a number. And then there's your actual age or your quote unquote inner age, you know, how you're acting, how you're performing. You know, are you having any fucking fun, you know, out there at all? Are you just on this path and you're not even sure how you got there or can you break from that and say, okay, I need to step outside that, figure out who I really am, kind of what makes me work, what feels right and feels authentic. Um, And it's also just nice to know that there are outlets like the one that you're providing with this old degree that are available to guys that are wanting to work on this stuff. Mm-hmm. And know that other guys are working on it as well. Mm-hmm. And that you're not just handing a playbook out going exactly, here's how exactly it is. Right. <laughs> and it's all going to be fine, you know, from here. We're going to go out here and five days later, everything is going to be changed. And here's steps one through 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Nope. No. Chris, thank you so much for for doing this. Uh, I learn a lot, you know, from these conversations. Um, I hope you guys out there, you know, do do as well when we bring this stuff to you. Um, we touched it. great. There's a lot of stuff for women out there, no doubt about it. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. How we bring more things into the lives of guys and men that are out there, um, and I think you know, let them see some things through a different lens. Mm, is really important. So thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. I mean, you, to your point, you yourself are creating the space for this kind of a conversation. So appreciate you inviting me into it and to share a little sliver. Well, I look forward to to being in Vermont one day on one of these soul degree retreats out there in, in Vermont. I think the last time I was in Manchester, Vermont or stuff, I think it was a it used to be a big tennis tournament out there. Yes, you're right. Right up at Stratton. Yeah. At Strat- yep, at Stratton. So where I grew up on Long Island and in New York, I was a big tennis player, you know, growing up. So that was something that we did as a family was get up there and go. Watch Connors, and- McEnroe, and uh, all the, the old greats. Yeah. 
All of those guys, those guys were Port Washington, Long Island, Tennis Academy guys that came up through that. And not only that, there was a large contingent of South African tennis players Mm -hmm. that for years would come in to play the U.S. Open. They'd play for miles and they didn't have anywhere to stay. These were some kind of the little bit of the lower ranked guys. They would register with the United States Tennis Association, off topic story, but they would stay in my town in Great Neck because a lot of these families had tennis courts in their backyard. I run. They were the <laughs> same surface as the U.S. Open, so the families would house them, mm-hmm. uh, and these guys could have access to a practice court because they weren't high enough ranked to get good practice court times and everything. These guys had to qualify, so we got friendly with a lot of these South African tennis players. Where I'm going with this is. They would play Vermont also. They had to play everything to make a living on the tour. They'd play every tournament, singles, doubles, mixed doubles, whatever they could get into to make enough to keep going and out there. So that's how I got to Vermont was to go watch a bunch of these guys also go, go play up there. Well, yeah, that's the neighborhood where we host a few of these. There'll be two in June this year. And um, yeah, I hope you'll, I hope you'll join us. If not Vermont, we're doing one in a Hawaii in October. I've never been to Hawaii. I will definitely be checking this out. Chris Robbins, thank you so much. How do people find you? How do they learn more about what you're doing? Uh, Souldegree.com is uh, where we're at online. Souldegree on Instagram. The.ChrisRobbins is my personal account on Instagram. But you'll find Souldegree on Facebook as well. Awesome. Guys, go check it all out. You heard it here, Midlife Mail Podcast. If you like what you have heard on the show, please give us the five-star rating. Leave us the nice review. Share the program with your friends. Subscribe to the weekly newsletter. Follow guys like Chris. Keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Chris Robbins, thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the work with me page to explore options.